0: I want to invite you to take your Bibles this morning, if you've got them, and turn to the book of Jonah. Uh, go to the Old Testament. You might have a little uh, little difficulty finding Jonah, so feel free to use uh, your table of contents in the front of your Bible. Uh, But I want you to find a small but well-known book of the Bible, uh, this book called Jonah, and we're going to look at a few verses there in just a moment. But this morning, here's what I want to do. I want to give you a brief introduction uh, to a teaching series that officially begins next Sunday here at Genesis. Uh, It's a a series through this book of Jonah, and here's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. We're going to read through this book, uh, this well-known book of the Bible, together, verse by verse. And we're going to do that on Sunday mornings, but my hope is this. I'd like to invite you uh, to consider participating in this service outside of Sunday mornings too. And so you you get a bit of a head start, and I hope that you'll take advantage of it, that even this week, you know, get in your Bible and start reading the book of Jonah on your own. It's four chapters. It'd probably take you 15 minutes to read the whole thing in one sitting. So we're not talking about a lot of time here but I think a book that that can really speak to us. And I believe that God's spirit really wants to move uh, in you and in my life and and in this church uh, through this book of Jonah. And again, we're going to study each of the four chapters with chapter one beginning next week. It's always a great place to start. If you're going to start anywhere, start with the first one. Uh, So we'll do that next week. But would you consider... You know, reading along with us each day on your own, you know, even this week to just say, you know what, for the next four or five days, I'm just going to read Jonah one every day. I'm going to pray this prayer God, what do you want to speak into my life? What is it that you want to say to me? What is it that you want to do through this story, through this book? Even a story that is well known and familiar to me, you know, this Sunday school story. God, what do you want to do in my life? If you don't have a Bible, uh, we've got a Bible that we would love to give to you. We've got a number of them back at the Info Hub. Uh, just stop by there on your way out this morning. Say, hey, can I, can I have one of those Bibles? And we'd be happy to give you one uh, so that you can read along with us. But again, we'll start with Jonah 1 next week. Now, most people consider the story of Jonah to really be a kid's story. And maybe your familiarity with this story goes all the way back to Sunday school or it has something to do with veggie tales, you know, and reading to your kid before they go to bed or something. But it's not just a kid's story. And even because it is so well-known, it doesn't mean that God perhaps doesn't want to do something new in your life. And that's what I'm praying for. Uh, I'm praying that over the next few weeks, we're praying as a staff that over the next few weeks, that God has something for you. And there is something new that God wants to speak into your life uh, through this very well-known. I believe the Spirit of God can speak into your life, if you will let him, in a way that you've never experienced before. Uh, through this great story, through this great testimony. This book can be, can be life-changing. Uh, this story can bring great encouragement, uh, especially if you're living in some discouraging times right now. So let's start together today in Jonah chapter 1. And we're just going to look at a few verses together, As again, just as a bit of an introduction. And I thought I had it bookmarked, and I don't, so now I get to test my uh, skills in, in trying to find Jonah 1. But uh, we're going to look at this book together for just a moment. Jonah 1. Uh, verses 1 through 3, and then I'm going to invite Mr. Ben Krause up on stage and we're going to talk to him for a few minutes. So here we go. Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Here's what it says. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh, And preach against it. Now, here in this passage, the city of Nineveh is referred to as a great city. It doesn't necessarily mean, well, it doesn't mean that it was a good city. It meant it was a large city, a number of people living there. But with what we're going to find, some horrendous things happening in this city. And what it says here at the end of this verse, because its wickedness has come before me. Verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, the interesting thing about Tarshish, I'm going to have a hard time saying that for the next few weeks, is this, that it was 2,500 miles in the other direction. So you want to talk about running from the Lord. Jonah was committed to running from the Lord. But let's just take a look at the meaning behind a few words here this morning. And if you're taking notes, you can follow along with me. But Jonah has been known by many or referred to by many as the reluctant prophet. And so if you want to write that down in your notes, he is the reluctant prophet. He was a prophet of God that often did what was right. But in this particular story, you know, we're going to find that he wasn't interested in obeying God or the call that God had placed on his life. Now, his name, Jonah, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down too. the name Jonah simply means dove. All right. It means dove or peaceful one. Now. You know, a name like Dove or Peaceful One gets you beat up on the playground, you know, as a kid. But that's this guy's name. It's Jonah. All right. And in this situation, he ends up disobeying God. And for this story, and many today, you know, refer to him, you know, in this story, because of this story, many refer to him today as the reluctant prophet. Now, next in your notes, write down the word Amittai. All right, and we notice that in verse 1, that he is Jonah, the son of Amittai. Well, Amittai is his father. Now, the name Amittai means truth. So on for, to Jonah's defense, he's got a pretty cool name as well. Not only is he the peaceful one or the dove, but he's known as the son of truth. All right, And that, that sounds a little bit cooler, All right, uh, but he's the son of truth. Now, Nineveh, again, was the city he was commanded to go to and preach to. And here in, the, in Scripture, it's referred to as this great city. Now, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, which was the largest, most powerful empire at the time, but Israel's absolute enemy. All right? Israel hated Nineveh, and Nineveh had a reputation for horrific acts. I was reading just this past week that the, the people of Nineveh were so feared and despised that it wasn't uncommon for people living in a particular town or village knowing that the Assyrians were coming to often commit mass suicide because they considered it much better to just go ahead and commit mass suicide than to give themselves up to the horrific, uh, barbaric you know, murder that, that the Ninevites would, would bring upon them. They were ruthless. They, they murdered people, men, women, and children alike. Uh, they didn't hold back. Now, looking back at verse 1 again, it starts off by saying that the word of the Lord... Now, let's bring that verse up on the screen again. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, this is important. And this is really important to see because this will kind of serve as our thread over the next month as we go through this series. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now, it's interesting as we think about the word of the Lord that whenever God created, you know, when he said, let there be, back in the book of Genesis, there always was. You know, God's will was always carried out. And in this situation, the word of the Lord is calling, is commanding, is prompting Jonah to go. You know, God, God created with the spoken word. He, he moved people with the spoken word. In John chapter 1, verse 1, you know, it teaches that Jesus is the word, that God himself is the word, that, word, that he came to this earth and that he dwelt among us. You know, the, the word is God. And, and we know that God is a speaking God, and we've seen this all throughout history. We see this in Scripture in many different ways, and sometimes he speaks with an audible voice. And sometimes God speaks through circumstances. Sometimes he speaks through prophets. But we know that more often than not that God speaks through his word. I mean, that's why we refer to the Bible as his word. These are the very words of God. You know, they are are useful for teaching and and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. You know, all of God's scripture is God-breathed. It is living and active. It is a double-edged sword. This is the word of God and God speaks through his word. I believe that if it hasn't happened yet in your life, or maybe you haven't realized it just yet, that at some point, the word of the Lord will come to you. You know, and just like Jonah, God is going to move in you in such a way that He is going to call you to do something. And in that moment, you're going to have to respond. And in that moment, like Jonah, you can choose to obey or you can choose to disobey. You can do what God calls you to do, or you can choose your own path. You know, you can be like Jonah and say, no, God, I I realize that you're saying go, but I'm going to say no. You know, God called Jonah, Jonah refused. God said go, and Jonah said no. Well, that's kind of where we're headed over the next month. As we look at this series together, we're going to study the life of Jonah. We're going to talk about hearing from God. We're going to talk about what obedience looks like. We're going to talk about what it means to have great concerns for for lost people, for people far from God or for ungodliness, you know, happening uh, around you. We're going to talk about what it means for you to be called by God. And and here's what I think. Here's what I believe and here's what I'm so bold, uh, bold enough even to say here this morning. I believe that over the next month, God is going to place a call on your life that will be so clear that you're not going to be able to refuse or reject what it is that God is calling you to do. Now, that may play out in a number of different ways. Uh, for some of you, it may mean that uh, you know, God is going to call you to forgive someone, somebody that you haven't forgiven. Uh, for you, it, it may mean identifying some sin in your life that just has to go. Uh, for you in your life, God may call you to honor him with your resources because up to this point in your life, it's been all about you and what you can have and what you can attain. You know, For some of you, it's that God is fed up with people living this comfortable, suburban, so-called Christian life and that he's calling us to this higher standard of living, every single one of us, and helping to define what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ right now in 2010 and what it means to make a real difference right here even in central Indiana. I believe that none of us is here by accident. I believe that this next series isn't an accident. I believe that each life has a purpose, my life, your life, and I believe the word of God, the word of the Lord, is going to come upon your life and maybe my life in such powerful ways over the next few weeks that we're going to see some people step out and make some bold decisions for Christ, you know, ready to move. You know, does, does that scare you? Does that, does that encourage you? I, I want to pray for that. I want to pray that God works in such a clear way in your life and in our church over the next few weeks that we can't help but respond and go and do exactly what it is that God has called us to do. Will you pray with me? God in heaven, that's our prayer, and that's a frightening prayer to pray, but we want to be courageous people. Uh, We want to be a courageous church. And God, we want to respond to whatever it is that you're going to call us to do. And I'm not even just talking about what it means to call this church or call this community, but I'm talking about individual lives. God, you created us. You know every single day. You have specific plans for each of us. You have have equipped us with gifts. You know, for those who, who call themselves Christians that have invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord of their life, Lord, you live inside of us and your Holy Spirit is continually prompting us and wanting to move us and so often we resist. But I believe and I pray with all of my heart that these next weeks, God, are going to be a defining moment. And I just pray that you would work in such a powerful way that we can't help but respond yes. And God, I pray that uh, you would just speak to us and work through this book of Jonah, that we would see in his life, you know, that we all rebel, we all run at times, and maybe we've been running for some time, God, but you are a merciful God and that you are willing to take us and to use us. God, so begin your work inside of us today. We invite you, we give you permission, and it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Well, I told you that I wanted to give you a brief introduction this morning because there's some other things that I want to discuss as well this morning that, interestingly enough, really just fit into uh, what we're talking about with this Jonah series. Uh, I want you to know that as your pastor, as one of your pastors, uh, I am just continually amazed at what God is doing through Genesis Church. And to look back over the past two years of, of, of my ministry here and just the opportunity that my family has had of being here, I mean, it's just incredible to hear the story of Genesis, to see what God is doing right now, and to believe and trust in faith and with prayer what God is going to do in this next season. I believe that God is in absolute control. And even when we experience change, uh, I believe that God is in absolute control. Uh, many of you know by now, or have heard, uh, that Ben and Beth Ann and Kraus and their whole family uh, are going to be leaving us and uh, going on to a new ministry opportunity uh, that's awaiting them in Michigan. Uh, ben Krauss, who I'm going to bring up here in just a second, has been serving as your worship pastor uh, for the past almost seven years. Uh, but for many of you, he's more than a pastor on this staff. He, he's a friend, and uh, you've gotten to know him well. And we appreciate Ben. Ben and his family are going to be leaving Genesis uh, later uh, this year before the end of the year and heading to Brunson, that's what the locals there call it, <laughs> Brunson, Michigan, uh, to Pleasant Hill Missionary Church where Ben is going to be joining the team there. Now, if you've been around Genesis for a while, you may remember Corey Weatherton. And Corey was, before I was ever here, Corey served back beginning in 2005 and served for about a year here before going to be the lead pastor at Pleasant Hill Missionary Church. And he has invited Ben and Beth Ann and God's been working in both of their lives and families to get them ready uh, for this move. Now, it is not uncommon uh, for God to move pastors from one church to another. And over seven years ago, God moved in the Krauss family in such a way to move them from Brownsburg uh, to Genesis Church here in Noblesville, Indiana. And um, I, I'm excited for their family, that God is moving them, that the word of the Lord is calling them uh, to a new place. But I'm sad for us too, uh, because we're losing a phenomenal guy but, uh, and a phenomenal family but I'm so excited that this family, that they're courageous enough to, to respond to exactly what God wants to do in them. Uh, I want you to know this, uh, Ben's not going to leave quickly, and so you're going to have about eight weeks to say goodbye uh, to he and his family and trust that you will do that in whatever way is appropriate. But as he comes to the stage this morning, uh, would you just kind of remind him of why you appreciate him and why we're so thankful for this family? Come on, Ben. It kind of feels like a little bit of a talk show, doesn't it? It does. We don't have a prize for the crowd today or anything, so you're not going to leave with a gift. But, um, Ben, I want you to know how much I appreciate you, and uh, I hope that uh, you have always realized that. And uh, as I was sharing with the team just this morning behind the curtain, you know, when, when my wife and I were preparing to come to Genesis two years ago, uh, one of the things that was so important to me was the fact that I was going to get to work with you. Mm. And I didn't know you prior to coming here, but just in that interaction prior to coming, I realized not only would I come to work with a partner in ministry, but I would friend. I know our feels about family and full and work. I had the one way bridge. The, the world would come. By, <laughs> and, but uh, how is this? He's people so anyway, yeah. you? yeah. a family. So we
1: also about you for family. For your friend, starts to go be the lead pastor at Pleasant Hill Missionary Church, and, uh, and they've been up there serving faithfully. Um, about two years ago as we were hiring uh, Paul Mumah, Jeff Smith had just left. He was our lead pastor and um, we were in the process of hiring Paul. And I remember a phone conversation that you and I had and I was actually backstage here cleaning up while we were talking. And, and you said, so Ben, are you a lifer at Genesis? Do you remember asking yeah. me that? And uh, And I said, Paul, as far as I can see, I'm a lifer at Genesis unless God takes me somewhere else. And In some ways, I realize that can be kind of a cop-out answer for pastors. You know, we get uncomfortable, and, uh, well, you know, God's calling me away. So I've probably played that game in my life some, too. But there's something different about our time at Genesis. There's something different about the ministry here that um, this is our third full-time ministry. And maybe it's just maturity. Maybe it's just stage of life. But there's something about um, being on this staff that you were talking about, the friendship, the trust, and... um, and even the relationship with the body that is different that's very unique and and i forget that and i get glimpses of it when i hang out with my buddies who serve on on staff at different churches and i forget how unique it is the the friendship the tight-knit group that we have and so my answer to paul was yeah i'm a lifer at genesis unless god calls me elsewhere and uh what we found out shortly after that was that uh, in hanging out with our friends Corey and crystal weatherton as, as we've kept that relationship up over the years Uh, that they revealed to us that they had been praying specifically for two years, that one day we would come and partner with them in Bronson, Michigan. And um, isn't it Bronson? It is Bronson, but I'm not (laughs) a local. (laughs) And so it's B-R-O-N, and that's Bron to me. So, um, you know, in in our conversation with them, uh, my comment to Corey when he said, yeah, we're praying for this. Um, you need to understand that this is a, a church of under 200 people. The church is about 140 years old. Bronson, Michigan is 2,500 people. And uh, the church is maybe 10 miles south of Bronson. So, very rural church, an old church with deep roots. And uh, I'll just say, as a pastor, that's not necessarily the most exciting environment to want to think about moving towards, okay? No, no, uh, no ill will towards the church, but just in my mind conjuring up pictures of what that would actually be like. Uh, my response to Corey was, Corey, that's awesome, but there is no way that I'm coming to your backwoods church, okay? <laughs> and uh, so keep on praying your prayers, and we'll see where it goes. But the answer is no. And uh, so somewhere along the way, in the last couple of years, um, my wife has has been convinced of the same thing through prayer, through interaction with Corey and Crystal, that God is, is calling us there. And and one time I remember um, talking to my wife and just saying, I, you know, you guys are all seeing this. I'm not seeing it. What is it? What am I missing? And Bethany shared with me at that point that in talking with Crystal Weatherton, uh, that there was a point when um, she was praying for us to move up there. I think Corey had maybe gotten frustrated that, you know, thinking, you know, Ben's probably right. This is never going to happen. It's not going to work. And, uh, and Crystal um, said to Corey in that moment, you know, I tried to put this down i tried to stop praying this prayer and god spoke very clearly to me that i need to keep asking him for this because the salvation of people is at stake and so at that moment she she just had a new strength and a new vision to be praying for us to partner with them eventually uh... and that that kind of pulled my wife in uh... and i was still kind of the the odd man out saying no i love genesis i love our our team i love our church i love our leadership and i don't even want to think about that Um, not to mention that uh, their church financially could not, could not hire a staff member. And so to me, it was just uh, a non issue. You know, there was no, no offer on the table, nothing really to move towards. Well, about six months ago, um, we went from talking in generalities to Corey putting a job description on paper. And um, one of the things that God has been doing in my heart over the last couple of years that Paul has been great to help me journey on is that I feel like um, even in, with Paul coming here, there's already a transition in my heart of feeling like I'm not going to be a worship pastor forever. I feel like God has something else for me, maybe in the areas of discipleship or pastoral care, um, connection and outreach, those kinds of things. And, and Paul and I have talked pretty openly about that over the last couple of years, that that shift was going on in my heart. Well, as Corey put together this job description of what one day would be what he would want to hire, uh it was pastoral care it was discipleship it was outreach it was all the things that god had been growing in my heart um and and to everyone else that just seemed like see this is it and and i just said that's just a coincidence (laughs) (laughs) that's still not enough for me well most of you know that uh, genesis offered me a sabbatical back in june uh, we, were, we were off for four weeks, and uh, about five days of that four weeks, we went up and spent with our friends, the Weathertons, up in Bronson, Michigan, and had a great time up there just hanging out and interacting. And My prayer in going uh, up there on sabbatical was just, God, if this really is your plan someday, if this really is where you want us to be, you've got to open me up to it because I'm, I don't see it. I'm not there. Uh, 140 years old, you know, small country church, this is very different than what I feel like um it is very different than what we do here than what our community is like here not wrong not bad just different and not necessarily attractive to me at the moment and uh, so i just prayed that prayer god if this is going to be something that you want us to do you've got to open me up to it you've got to show me and so um, we went to church with the weatherton's that morning and i've just got to tell you um the spirit of god was there in a very evident very present way and um just to share very briefly, you know, my, my picture growing up in small-town churches, um, right or wrong, seemed very much like the Sunday morning, put your nice clothes on, go say the right things, put your smile on, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, if your life is falling apart, just smile for an hour and, uh, and let people think that everything's okay. Okay, that's my picture of, of growing up in the small country church. The morning that we were at, um, at Bronson, um cory got up on stage and he's teaching through the book of luke and he was talking about temptation that morning and uh and here's how cory started he got up he read his text and he said um he said i just need you to know that if your picture of church on sunday morning is putting your nice clothes on and coming and sitting for an hour you're going to be very disappointed this morning um, he said and i'm just going to let you know too that if you're planning on being out of here in an hour that's not going to happen this morning we might go more like two hours and I need you to know, if you have a problem with that, it's your problem, not mine. And I was sitting in the crowd thinking, you can't say that at a church of under 200 people that's 140 years old, you know, and, and all these pictures that I had from my, my childhood of that church. But uh, but he said it. And then he invited a couple up on the stage. Their, nef- their names were Jeff and Marianne. And, uh, and Corey just said, Jeff and Marianne are going to share their story this morning, and, and I want you to pay close attention. And so... Uh, Jeff and Marianne sat side by side and they were holding hands. And here's how Jeff started. Jeff said, um, the first time I looked at pornography, it wasn't my fault. Someone showed it to me. But every time I looked at it after that, it was my fault. And it was like you could just kind of feel the air go out of the room. And what, where are we going with this? And Jeff walked us through his story all the way from seeing pornography as a young man to hiring prostitutes as a married Christian leader. And then from that point of sharing how Christ had come in and restored his heart and how he had restored his marriage, and his wife is sitting right next to him, just smiling at him and rubbing his back and encouraging him, you just see the picture of restoration that had taken place in this couple. And uh, and I'm sitting in my seat going, where am I? That someone would get up on stage and share that. What Jeff, um, what Jeff shared with, with Corey and I uh, before that service, Jeff um, was a was a teacher in the Bronson school systems. And my understanding is there was a couple of administrators of the school system that went to church there, and Jeff told Corey, he said, there's a good chance I could get fired for what I'm going to share this morning, but God is telling me to be real and to be honest and to share my story, and so we're doing it. We're doing this. And just the faith that he had in sharing that. So I'm sitting off in my chair just watching this whole thing unfold and thinking this is not going to be good when church is released today. This is... What's going to happen in here? And so Corey wrapped up the service. Jeff and Marianne are standing up front, and the church just swarmed them. I mean, it was body pressed on body, and no orderly line of handshakes and hugs and pats on the back and good job. It was just weeping, and this whole community of people just swarmed this couple. I couldn't even see Marianne. Jeff's a taller guy, so I could see the top of his head. But I was standing off in the corner just crying and really broken uh, for, the, for the picture in my mind that I had assumed this church was, and then the picture that God had given me of who they really were, uh, that a church that, that really showed Christ's love to this couple and in this moment.
0: So God used that moment to break your heart and really, I guess, just more to confirm his call. But you've yeah. also done something for the rest of us here, that whenever a sabbatical comes up, everybody's going to immediately think, <laughs> oh, he's leaving. you know. So you've
1: ruined sabbaticals for yes. the rest of us forever. Good luck with that, Paul. Good luck. Yeah, so, you know, obviously God opened me up in that moment to, to someday Pleasant Hill really could be a reality for us. And so I sat down and I talked with my buddy, Corey, and I said, what are we talking about here timeline-wise? And he said, because of the debt that the church has, um, because we're trying to be responsible financially, we cannot hire another full-time staff member until January of 2012. And so um, we all just said, well, we all need to pray about this. We need to We need to think through it, and that will be kind of the target date of saying... Okay, January 2012, we'll actually have something to, to talk about. But until then, we'll be faithful in prayer. And, uh, and until then, we'll just do our best uh, serving at Genesis Church and continuing on with the vision there. And so, came back from sabbatical. Uh, we have our staff reviews in July. And Paul and I sat down and he asked the question, Are you still in at Genesis? And I uh, had shared with Paul the, the things that had gone on, and, and, uh, but then said, yeah, I'm still in. And God needs to give me some new vision and some new passion, but, but I'm in. Let's go. And gearing up for the fall. And it, I, I told Paul, it was like that night, um, God said, that was the wrong answer. And uh, I was like, what do you mean that's the wrong answer? Just that's the wrong answer. It's, there's no job. There's no money. I've got a family of six. We're like a community unto ourselves. I need to be able to provide for this family. And all I got was this wrong answer. So I just kind of shoved it back, and all through the next day at work, it's the wrong answer. That's all I got, a wrong answer. There's a couple of, um, of books I've read this summer since sabbatical that have grown me and have shaped me. And uh, the first one is, is Forgotten God, and it's a new book by Francis Chan. And um, chapter 6 of Forgotten God, it's called Forget About God's Will for Your Life. And the premise of chapter 6 is that sometimes we get so hung up on what God's will for our life is that we miss what His will for this day is in this very moment. I want to read a, a quote for you. It's going to be up on the screens. It says, It's easy to use the phrase God's will for my life as an excuse for inaction or even disobedience. It's much less demanding to think about God's will for your future than it is to ask him what he wants you to do in the next 10 minutes it's safer to commit to following him someday instead of this day and i've just got to tell you that's where i found myself was talking about someday january 2012 someday we'll talk about that we'll think about that then for right now my life is really stable my life is safe i've got my check direct deposited on the 15th and 30th and i like <laughs> it that way and uh and yet i felt like god was saying there's something for you now um so my wife and I started talking about, well, what if? What if God is calling us now? And and we get so far in the conversation, and I would just get scared, quite honestly. And no, we don't need to think about that. We're at Genesis. We're staying at Genesis. This is ridiculous. We're not going to talk about that. I wrapped up reading um, Forgotten God and moved into another book by Mark Buchanan called Your God's Too Safe. And uh, I don't know why I didn't see these books that I was reading as maybe bringing a huge move in my life, even by the title, Your God's Too Safe. But uh, the premise of that book is that um, we were here in sin and death, and Christ has called us here to a very rich life in him. But as Christians, we usually land somewhere right in the middle. I mean, we don't want to go to hell, and we don't want the punishment for sin. We want to move towards Christ, but we don't move all the way over here because this is dangerous too. What God might ask us to do, what, what God might ask us to give up, there's risk involved in that. And so we don't move fully into the plan that God has for us. We just kind of stay right here in the middle. We stay safe. And that is not what God is calling us to. He's not calling us to a safe life. He's calling us to an obedient life. And so as I'm reading this book, I'm just more and more convinced that God is calling us uh, to something radical. And so as my wife and I were talking um I just said, honey, I need to get clarity on this. And so I had read all of the book except the epilogue of, of that book. And I said, I'm just going to go read. I'm going to journal and uh, see if I can get some clarity. And so I came to the office, and a lot of times um, as staff, we'll go out to the cafe and, and we'll read out there and we'll we'll pray. And so I was out there in the, the cafe, and I read the epilogue of, of this book, Your God's Too Safe. And the epilogue is about the story in Luke um, where Jesus heals Ten lepers. And I, I want to share that with you. It's Luke 7, if you've got your, your Bible with you. Uh, Luke 7, and we're going to start in chapter 11. And it says this Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And he was going into a village. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And so Mark Buchanan in his book points out that, you know, what Jesus commands them to do, go show yourself to the priest. This is a risky command because as lepers, as folks who had leprosy, they weren't allowed within the city limits because no one else wanted to get leprosy. They certainly weren't allowed at the temple, the holy place, and the priest wouldn't have wanted anything to do with them because he doesn't want the disease either. And yet Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest, and the very next line is, as they went. So they, they take off. They just go. It's just this blind faith, and they just do what Jesus says. And it says, as they went, they were cleansed. And so in their obedience, they saw God's provision. And, you know, there's, there's instances in the Bible where Jesus just touches someone or he speaks a word uh, and people are, are healed. He certainly had the power to do that in this scenario, to say, be cleansed, and boom, they would have been, been cleansed. He's the God of the universe. He has that authority and that power. But in this instance, he asked them to be obedient. And through their obedience, God's provision shows up. So that morning, um, sitting in the cafe, I just felt like clear as day. God was just saying, as you obey me, my provision will show up in your life. I mean, he knew that the thing that was hanging me up was my 403B, my health insurance, and my direct deposited paycheck. Right? I mean, that's my security blanket. I'm, I'm the man of my family. I'm the provider of my family. My wife stays at home, and so uh, my paycheck really is it. But I felt like God said very clearly that morning, you are upside down on this. Genesis Church does not provide for you. I provide for you. And I've done that through Genesis Church for the last seven years. But what's to make you think that if you're obedient to my call, that that ends? That if you were to follow me step by step and day by day, that my provision would not be in your life anymore? And... um, I just was really convicted by it, and I called my wife, and, um, and I just said, Honey, I think it's time for us to be bold. I think it's time for us to make a move. You know, there's a reality that um, when God calls us to something, and we ignore that call, uh, when we do nothing about it, there's a numbness that sets in us to our, um, our hearing of the Holy Spirit and what He has for us. And a lot of times, I think in my life, I've, I've had times when God would call me to something and I would say, no, not that, but what else? Like, what else could we do? What's plan B? And I really look at it more like this. If, if God has called you to something and you've said no, it's not, well, okay, we'll just move on. He's still waiting for you to be obedient to that call. That's the way I've seen it play out in my life. And as we say no, and as we move away from God's obedience, that numbness and that deafening to the Spirit's call in our life sets in more and more. There's a quote in uh, Mark Buchanan's book that I read in the epilogue that I want to share with you. It says, our cleansing from the numbness in us, the loss of feeling and the decay that comes with it, occurs as we go, as we walk out what Jesus has told us to do. And so as we are obedient to the Spirit, that numbness goes away. And so um, without a lot of, of forethought, without a lot of um, time to just sit and talk myself out of it, I, I went into Paul's office and we sat down that day and I just said, Paul, I think it's time for us to figure out an exit strategy for the Krauses. I have no idea what tomorrow looks like, but I feel like this is what we're supposed to do today. And so uh, that is, is uh, what led up to uh, the letter on Wednesday and uh, what has led up to, to right now. Last night, um, Bethany and I got to go out to eat with some friends, and um, their, their kids watched our kids at our house, and we all got, got back from going out to eat. And as they were leaving, my kids, uh, my kids love to be outside as our company is leaving and just run along the sidewalk and wave at people. And it's kind of like an episode of The Waltons, you know, when, uh, <laughs> when folks are leaving and John Boy's running down the street waving. But uh, that's what my kids do, and they love doing that. And so as we were out in the yard last night, um, I picked up Caitlin, my oldest daughter, and, uh, and I, kinda, I threw her in the air, and I caught her, but it scared her really bad. And so when she came down, she just grabbed me and held on. And I said, let me, let me throw you again. And uh, I said, wasn't that fun? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, let me throw you again. And she said, no way. And she wouldn't let me do it. There was no way. But Jayla, if you guys know my daughter Jayla, she was outside too. And I said, hey, Jayla, come here. And she said, "What?" I said, let me throw you in the air. And she's like, all right. And so I pick Jayla up and I can throw her so high because she's my littlest girl. And she goes way up in the air and she screams and she's like, more, daddy. And so I throw her even higher. More, daddy. I've not dropped any of my kids yet. And so <laughs> thus far. The key word is yet. Yeah. Thus far, they have no reason not to trust me in that. But I could see Kate kind of standing off to the side, thinking, "Man, that looks really fun." But she just she doesn't have that. She she's not there. That Jayla, you know, just has this reckless um, abandon to to danger, and she's just in the moment. Like, I just want to I just want to enjoy what you've got for me. So give me more, Dad. Throw me higher, you know. Throw me harder, and uh, and she wants to be a part of that. I need I need more of that in my life. I've lived a really safe life. Taking risk is not who I am. Those of you who know me well know that I'm a, I'm a pretty regimented guy. When Paul made the joke about that he's a list guy, I am too. When he made the joke about sometimes he's put things on his list so that he can mark them off that, that he's already done, I do the same thing, you know, and, and I like my life orderly and planned. But like I said, I'm just convinced that God is not calling us to an orderly, planned out life. He's calling us to an obedient life in him. And so this is where we feel God is calling us to be obedient.
0: I'm sitting here the whole time you're talking, being reminded of this. Why haven't you preached here yet, first of all? <laughs> and just for the record, I have asked Ben on a couple of occasions yeah. to uh, preach. But the cool thing is, is before he leaves, you are going to preach uh, yeah. one Sunday. And I think we pretty much confirmed that. But now that everybody knows, yeah. it's going to happen for sure. Yeah. So. Um, Ben, thanks for your words, and I know that the last thing that you want, even as we get ready to start this Jonah series, is to like be our example. Right, right. You know, this series isn't about you, and even this morning you said, "Hey, as much as this cannot be about me or my family, you know, to God be the glory." And yep. and I appreciate you for that, um, Ben. This 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 church, uh, this church loves you, and the people of this church love you for and your family and Beth Ann and your kids and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really do mean it when I say that I believe you're going to be able to walk away from here feeling like you've fulfilled what God called you to do for this church. And the great thing about Pleasant Hill Missionary Church in Michigan is this. We all share the same passion, helping people find their way back to God. We're all in this together. And as God is preparing you to leave, he's already preparing someone else to come here and be the next teammate uh, to partner with us in ministry here. Um, Just to kind of let you know where we are as a church Uh, We will begin immediately uh, searching, uh, not to replace you, uh, but to find somebody else to join our team. I I believe your title is, we always kind of joke about what our titles are around here, but I think it's Pastor of Creative Arts, Pastor of Worship. And and we're going to be looking for somebody who's the person that God has in mind to come to this team. Uh, Ben's going to be with us. The Kraus family is going to be with us all the way through October. And yeah. right now, we've got October 31st. This is last Sunday. Uh, we'll look to do something as a church to appreciate uh, the Kraus family. Uh, I want to invite you to be thinking about how can you communicate your appreciation uh, to Ben and Bethany, and really encourage them in this. Um, but uh, Ben, thanks for all of your service. Uh, thanks for for being bold and uh, for your willingness to respond to God's call in your life and and I'm just so excited for you to see how God works uh, in your family, how he provides, and just the great story and the testimony that uh, he's going to give to you. We talked about wrapping up this little portion with a video clip today, and we're going to do that right now. It's just a couple of minutes long. We keep referring to this pastor, Francis Chan, who's had a real impact on my life, and I know your life, Ben, and our staff, and even on many of you. But um, Ben, as you think about what we're getting ready to do over the next four weeks of really positioning ourselves to understand God's call for our life, even though that might not mean moving to Brunson, Michigan for every single one of us, or no one, none of you have permission to move (laughs) to Brunson, Michigan. (laughs) We'll talk later. Um, What would you say
1: to us, especially knowing what we're going to get ready to hear uh, Francis Chan say? Yeah. You know, um, what has made the biggest difference in my life since sabbatical and, uh, and, and just making a daily habit of asking like it says in psalm 139 when king david says search me and see if there's any offensive way in me and then inviting the spirit to come in and lead us in the way everlasting and it's that daily uh laying down ourselves and that daily saying god this life is yours i want your spirit's leadership today i don't want to think about a year and a half from now what do you want from me in the next 10 minutes what do you want from me this very day and so um, i would just challenge you all as we go through this next series you know i I don't think God's going to call all of you to to uproot your families and move, but I think he is going to call every one of us to do something hard and something that is outside of our comfort, outside of our box of safety. And the question is, will you follow your own way? Uh, Proverbs says, you know, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And so we can be going through the motions, we can be doing all the things that seem right in our Christian life, but the Bible tells us that leads to death. So we need to be daily just submitting ourselves to the Spirit's leadership in our lives and what is it he's calling you to and how will you respond. Let's watch this. What is God calling
0: you to do? What might God call you to do? But maybe more importantly, are you prepared to respond? Let's pray. God in heaven, we come before you right now with humble hearts, realizing that we are nothing without you. Without you, God, we have no purpose, no reason for living, existing in this world. But with Jesus, everything changes you have called us out of darkness and into light. You've called us to be salt and light to this world, that we are your ambassadors, that our citizenship is in heaven. And for now, until you call us home with you, you've given us life and purpose and mission here in this world. God, I know that I am as just as guilty as anyone of, of falling into this safe, convenient, suburban kind of so-called Christianity and that's not what I want. And I trust that there are a number here of people today, God, and they don't want that either. We don't want to be fans of Jesus. We are committed to be followers of Jesus. And we realize that there is a call, there is a purpose on every single one of our lives, God. And maybe you've been calling for some time and thankfully you're patient and you continue to wait for us. Or there's a call you're getting ready to make if we'll just simply be obedient and listen and respond. God, I pray that you would have your way in our life, in our lives, that you would have your way in this church. God, I thank you for Ben and for Beth Ann and for their family and for their service for you here at Genesis Church and for the call that you've placed on their lives and their courage to go. And God, I pray that we would all have the courage to go and do what it is you want to do through us. And we thank you for the promise that you'll go with us, that you'll empower us, that you'll strengthen us, that you'll move and work, that you'll never let go of us, and that you'll always be there. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this life that you've given to us, a life worth living. God, we're committed to helping people find their way back to God. And in Jesus' name we pray these things.